the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing and supporting. It is uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. That's where we are, and we are here at radiomisfits.com where you can subscribe and be a part of it. And you can find us on every single platform out there wherever you get your podcast. Please take the time to rate and review us. Send us emails anytime you want, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Something pops in your head, suggestion, support, any of that stuff. Or call us. We uh, love the voicemails, too. 773-417-6948. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for that lovely theme and all the other music and themes. And to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits uh, for welcoming me into the family as it has now for uh, 42 shows. That's what this is. Uh, Episode number 42. Eric Childress, Steve Procopi, movie critics, buddies of mine. We talk movies every two weeks. We're going to do that. We got uh, some movies to talk about, including Jurassic World Dominion. The new Jurassic movie is out. We'll talk about that and box office and more. Uh, Esmeralda Leon, my favorite person ever, uh, joins. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. My favorite Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, Carrie Russell, and I love Felicity, and I love you. But Esmeralda is, is awesome, and we're going to talk about old-school Chicago restaurants. We are going to talk about facts that are actually weird, but real. Facts that will scare the crap out of you from a book called Are You Shitting Me? 1,004 Facts That Will Scare the Crap Out of You. These are real, and they're scary. We're also going to talk about old school restaurants and our taste test of weird candy continues with ketchup candy. All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, movie reviews. Eric, Steve, movie talk right after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jaggle. That can only mean one thing. Uh, it's time to talk movies. And we do that every, uh, every other uh, week here on the Nick D Podcast. And uh, my guests are, I don't, somebody is doing something. Are you, is somebody repairing something? No. Okay. I don't All know right. what Sounded that like is. like there was a screwdriver going uh, somewhere. <laughs> Maybe somebody was drinking one. I don't know. But anyway, uh, it is, uh, it's time for movie talk here. Uh, Eric Childress, Steve Procopi are my guests every two weeks to talk movies and movie stuff in general. Uh, mm-hmm. And let's say hello to Eric. Hello, Eric. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing just fine. Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, tell everybody where they can hear you and see you and read you and all that shit. Yes, all that shit. The Movie Madness podcast, uh, it's available on uh, the Now Play Network, on Apple Podcasts. 
Uh, Steve Procopi is a regular guest on the show, and we do uh, movie stuff there as well. Uh, also, uh, another podcast called The Friendship Dilemma that I do with Morgan Geyer. We're hoping to get some new episodes up for that very shortly. And I write a box office column over at Rotten Tomatoes every Sunday. All right, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, cool. And we are going to talk about the box office because uh, it's kind of insane, the numbers right now, specifically yeah. for one for one movie. <laughs> Um, and we'll talk about that as well. But Steve Procopi is the other guy that I talk with. Uh, and uh, Steve, tell everybody where they can read you and see you and uh, get a hold of all your stuff as well. Uh, my weekly reviews show up on thirdcoastreview.com. And uh, most weekends at the Music Box Theater, you'll find, you'll find me right. hanging around there somewhere or going to see something or whatever. But uh, yeah, so, so yes, that's, those are my outlets. Uh, also, uh, uh, speaking of, uh, of, of uh, hanging out at the Music Box, uh, last Friday night, because last Friday and Saturday night, and again, actually, what is it? Or no, it happened already. The screening of, uh, the, ne- the last oh. screening of uh, Sign of the Times. I totally happened. lost track of when it even was, yeah. Tuesday <laughs> night. It happened. No, wait, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 it's next Tuesday. Sorry. It's this coming Tuesday, because today is Friday, so it's this coming Tuesday, the 14th. Um, but uh, they, they had the two screenings, midnight shows, this past Friday and Saturday night uh, a week ago. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I went Friday, as did our good friend Colin Suter uh, and Carrie, his fiance, and Steve, mm-hmm. you were there, among 20 you, people. You, sh- uh, you should say what movie it is. I don't think oh, you said sign of the, you say? Print, print Sign of the Times. Sign of the Times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, which has not been seen on the big screen in many years and which is uh, currently... Uh, not available in any uh, acceptable home format. Um, right. So uh, this is a big deal, <laughs> or at least yeah. in, my, in my fucking eyes, it's a big deal, and that people <laughs> should have been there. But it, Steve and, and Colin and Carrie and I were among maybe 20 people in the entire mm-hmm. auditorium to see Sign of the Times, and that broke my heart, man. Steve, right. I got to tell you. I mean, it broke my heart before the movie started, and then once it started, I didn't yeah. give a shit. Yeah, no, I understand. No, no I get you, but I, but I literally because I, you know, I know I saw you. I said hello to you because you were in the lobby, and mm-hmm. I had seen I I saw the Cronenberg movie for a second time right uh, that night, and I walked out into the lobby expecting like a huge crowd. You know what I mean? You know because I saw the nine forty five of the Cronenberg movie, and I was mm-hmm. just gonna I was gonna stay for the midnight of, of Prince. And I walk out expecting all the Prince fans, people in purple and hair everywhere <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. And, and I walk out and I see you and like four people. And I'm like, what do you got the people waiting outside in line? Because you guys did that at, the, at, the, at, the, yeah. at, your, at your film festival. So I thought, okay, mm-hmm. you're making people wait outside. That 400 people are outside right now for this. And you, were, you and the guy behind the, uh, behind, I don't wanna, I, uh, the, guy behind the counter uh, at the box office was like, nope, mm-hmm. uh, nope, there's nobody here. And there was like... <laughs> And I was like, are you kidding me? This is like a big deal. So that broke my heart. I, I suspect because the next, the final show is more in a primetime slot, like a 7.15, yeah. I think. Right. I suspect that will be the best attended of the three. Because it was about the same. The, I went both nights. Yeah. Uh, both midnight shows. And it was about the same for both. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, the the the. You know, the digital uh, uh, print that you guys had was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it you, great. And you cranked up the sound. I was happy, I, I was happy that that happened because I was like, man, I really hope the sound is cranked. And it was. Uh, yes. And we were, I, I forget who it was that, that recommended we do that, but I was going to do that anyway. And plus, we had a, a very capable projectionist who already knew to do that. So, yeah. And I will say, she told me afterwards, 
even though she didn't do this on purpose, it was, I guess this is on a scale of 10, but she had it cranked up to 6.9. So there you go. Oh, 6.9. All right. Very good. Very good. Uh, well, it was wonderful to see it on the big screen. Uh, it's my favorite of all the Prince uh, movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same. It's, uh, and it's one of the best concert movies of all time. I think it's second only to um, Stop Making Sense as, mm-hmm. best con- as best concert movie ever made. And I'm a massive Prince fan, and it was just great, and I just thought more people would be there. That's all. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Uh, and and uh, the Cronenberg movie, by the way, I, you guys are still only one viewing in on that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, you need to see it a second time because it, uh, it, it's not only as brilliant as it was the first time, but it all comes together. Um, yeah, it works even better the second time, like a lot of Cronenberg movies do. But seeing mm-hmm. crimes, being seeing crimes of the future is what the Cronenberg movie is. If you see it a second time, uh, it all kind of makes sense. It's and it's also, I will say this: um, as much as I found it to be amusing the first time, um, and as much as I found it to be satirical the first time, it's much funnier and much more satirical the second time. Uh, all right. And it's also, I always, and I, and I do, I do think this, I don't know, I don't know if I'm nuts or not, I, I actually think it's a very sweet movie. I, I do. I think it's lovely. <laughs> I think it's lovely and sweet and it's a love story. And I, you know, so anyway, uh, so for those people, and how's it, do, do you know how the box office is for it? Uh, how, um, how, it's it, still, it, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it, cra- Go ahead. it cracked the top 10 last week and it only made like 1.1 million. Yeah. I don't, uh, I mean, I don't that's see all it. it needed. That's, I mean, yeah. we'll talk more about that. But yeah. No, I, I just don't think, I mean, obviously it's not going to break through in any ma- massive capacity. No. <laughs> so uh, even, 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 I think the, what is it? Is Cronenberg's only big commercial success is what would be the Dead Zone and the Fly, right? Those would be the only the- ones that really. Did well, the well. Fly, History of Violence did very well. Oh, it did. Um, okay. Well, like third, thirty-one million. So yeah. Ooh, I mean, that's, that is that's that is good. good. Yeah. Yeah. So the Fly and History of Violence are the two big ones. Dead Zone did pretty well. Uh, th- I think those are the three. Big that's ones. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, anyway, we, we can talk box office a little bit later on. So uh, the full the movie the summer sort of movie season is in uh, full effect. Um, and uh, they're they're out there. They're coming out uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, no, next week uh, is um, the the Lightyear, which is the mm-hmm. spinoff from Toy Story, following Buzz Lightyear and his adventures. Um, and that is coming out next week. And uh, that's Elvis ugh, movie <laughs> uh, is coming out at the end of July. And what's the big Fourth of July uh, release well, this yep. year? Thor: Love and Thunder comes out after July Fourth. Okay. Uh, and the Minions movie comes out before July Fourth. I right. totally forgot there was another goddamn Minions movie. I just yeah. This one's been held back for a couple of years now, right? Could, like, yeah. Yeah, this is one of the last pandemic holdovers from like yeah, that's what 2020. I yeah. They could have. They could have. As far as I'm concerned, they could have held it over for another five years. Uh, sure. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I mean, come on. <laughs> um, and it'll make. I will say this: the one happy thing about it is it'll make my mom happy. My mom loves Minions, so <laughs> so I I look at this movie as made exclusively for my 78 year old mom who loves Minions. That's it. Yeah. So it's it's okay. good on that. It's good on that front. Uh, but one of the big ones that uh, comes out today. Uh, is the sequel? What is it? It's a sequel to the spinoffs. Is that? It's, it's, the, it's the final. Uh, supposedly, bless you. Su- supposedly, Excuse the me. final um, 
entry in the second trilogy of the Jurassic films, even though they're still referring to it as the sixth film in the Jurassic series. All right. So it's the... so sure. Okay. I don't know. So there was the three <laughs> Jurassic Park movies, and now there are three Jurassic World movies, right? Correct. Yes. All right. Uh, and this this is the latest one. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> it, uh, it, now, Eric and, and Steve, you have not, you've not seen this. Steve, you've got some personal nope. stuff that you had to deal with, so you missed yeah. the screening. Uh, Eric, you didn't get a chance to see it. You'll see it. Uh, you're, you're probably watching it right now. I'm you know, probably watching it right now. <laughs> 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 it's because this is, this, is this, is this is Friday, right? It's not Thursday afternoon. It it's Friday, not. right? No. Yeah. So you're, you're, uh, <laughs> I might so have even seen it yesterday. You might have already seen it. Yeah, you, yeah. Might, have, you <laughs> might have seen it last night. That's right. That's at right. A exactly. You might have seen it Thursday night. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, first, before I review it, uh, I, I'm going to need... Here I'm gonna need uh, some help here, because okay. uh, uh, I don't I, I I don't like any of them any of the Jurassic <laughs> movies I don't like any of them except for the last one you, I like wait, the you last like Lost one. World yeah I think you, Lost World no I don't really like it I think it's better oh. than Jurassic Park I oh. think Lost I think Lost World is a is a much <laughs> much improved movie over Jurassic Park um, uh. but I don't necessarily like it the only one that I kind of kind of actively like especially like the last third. The final act was the last one. Was the one that uh, Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, was the one yeah. that Bo- Boyega directed. That Boy, yeah, yeah. That's the last. That's the only one that I've ever actively liked. Uh, and it's because the last like forty-five minutes goes batshit crazy, and becomes like a Hammer film. It's like it's like a. <laughs> it becomes like a Gothic Frankenstein movie, in the last like third. Uh, and so I like. I liked that one. That's the only one that I've liked. Of all the other, all the other ones, the third one's not terrible because it's only ninety minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, one of the complaints that I've had about, at least especially the first one, was that it takes like an hour and a half for somebody to get eaten by a dinosaur. And I, I don't care about anything but people being eaten by dinosaurs when I see these movies. <laughs> and like the last thing I want to do is watch a, a dinosaur movie and hear people talk for an hour. I want someone to get killed and eaten by a goddamn dinosaur immediately. So at least in the third one, people are getting killed in the first five minutes, and it's only 90 minutes long. Okay. So they're, they're, and, and what was it, three-star Joe Johnston? That's, the one, that's what you call him, right? Three-star Johnston, yeah. He, he directed <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the third one. I, that's my favorite nickname ever of, any, of anything. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so, and, then, so, so, and then Spielberg directed the first two. Yeah. And, and then uh, Joe Johnston did the third one. The, the first Jurassic World was directed by the, the douche that directed this one, right? Correct. The Colin guy, Trevorrow. The, the auteur of the, of the Book of Henry. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Uh, and then the second one of this series was directed by um, Boyega, uh, who did A Monster Calls and The Orphanage. He's actually a good filmmaker. Yeah, um, The Impossible the the impossible. Yes, yes. So yeah. he's a, he, the guy's the guy's yeah. legit. He's the deal. And mm-hmm. then now the third one, they bring this guy back. Now you're gonna have to help me out. This is how now I. How much of the plot do you guys know? Because uh, I don't want to ruin it. I don't know if I'm if I'm I know f- nothing. Okay, well, then I, I, I won't. Okay. I know the dinosaurs are loose. I assume that's they're picking up at least at some point from the last movie. The dinosaurs are basically out there now, yeah. and the the original cast comes back at some point. Okay, that's all, right. all I know. All right, and I well then I can't because I have a question, uh, about, <laughs> uh, but I can't ask it because it's a I think it's a spoiler in this one. Okay. So I can't ask it. 
But okay. I, I, or at least I, I asked it to somebody afterwards, and I can't tell you the story, but the story's funny, but I can't tell you because it's a spoiler. Okay. But I will say this. Something happens in this movie in the new... All right, well, hold on. Let me review it. All right. Uh, so to answer your question, Eric, yes, the beginning of Jurassic World Dominion is what this one is called. Right. Uh, it does pick up, I guess, immediately after the last one. Now... I and, I and I have to tell you both this. I don't remember anything about any of the movies. Not even not even the last one, not even the one I liked. I remember thinking it went crazy gothic horror in the last like 45 minutes. Uh, and there was like gene splicing and a little girl Frankenstein thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all it took place in a weird sort of hammer house of horror mansion. The last like half hour of the movie uh that's and I, but I don't like plot wise character stuff. I don't remember anything. I don't remember anything from the first movie. I don't remember anything. So I don't know. Like I don't know who Sam Neill. I don't know what he does. I don't know. <laughs> I seriously, on, man. I don't know. How? All right. I don't know. But he was a paleontologist, right? Yes. Oh, you okay. Got that. Yes. Okay. All right. So and then Laura Dern is like an environmentalist. Yes. Yeah. The botanist. Okay. Paleobotanist. All right. All right whatever. And then Jeff Goldblum is just a weirdo who makes speeches. It's a mathematician. Okay. All right. So I don't chaos theory, right? Is a chaos right. theory Chaostician. Chaostician. All yeah. right. Whatever. All right. So <laughs> I don't know. So all right. So it, what happens is in this movie they pick it up where the last one left off, and they do it by showing you, you know, like um, like not a TMZ, but kind of a TMZ <laughs> summation that you can watch on your phone, like a like a. Like here's we here's how we are living with the dinosaurs now, and so uh-huh. they so they do this big summation to to kind of catch up the people catch you up on what's happening, and I guess the Isle of Demons or whatever the hell where the last one took place was destroyed, and now according to this at the beginning of the movie they set it up where we are now living with dinosaurs. Like if you and I were to walk outside to go to the Walgreens, huh. there would be dinosaurs walking around in the street, like. Oh, kid- shit. Kids feed them in the park. What are the little teeny dinosaurs? The cute little ones? I don't know the what to compies. Well, the compies eat people, too. So All right, whatever. Well, now, now kids are feeding them. <laughs> the kids are feeding them in the park now. So you can walk out, and they're causing car crashes on the Kennedy. Uh, dinosaurs are walking around on the Kennedy, and you're smashing your car now. And they're, fl- they're flying around. The pterodactyls are flying around. They're landing on the Empire State Building and shit. So now we live, we coexist in this world with dinosaurs. And there cool. is a, corp- a corporation, and let me see if you guys can guess if it's an evil corporation or not, because the name of the corporation is Biosyn. 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 Is it, S- is it S-Y-N? Yes, it is, my friend. Of course. It's Thank Biosyn, you. okay? Uh, and the leader of this corporation, I don't know if you can tell, he may or may not be the villain, is played by Campbell Scott. So I don't know oh. if mm. you can figure out whether he's a bad guy or not. But anyway, Biosyn has another uh, a place where they're keeping a bunch of dinosaurs, and they're doing DNA experiments uh, and stuff like that. Uh, meanwhile, the little, vamp- the little Frankenstein girl uh, that was created from the DNA from the last movie has now been adopted, kind of, by Bryce Dallas Howard and, uh, and Chris Pratt, who are now living in seclusion in a, in a cabin in the woods where they're trying to keep the kid away from harm. And, uh, and help the dinosaurs that are living in the area from poachers and killers and stuff. So uh, there's a scene in the beginning of the movie where Chris Pat's, Pratt's riding around on a horse, and he's, like, roping dinosaurs I, to capture them uh, and, help, and help them. Okay. 
and like stamp them. You know what I mean? Like you know what you know when you capture a, a an animal and then you you know you put a tag on them. Yeah, you hog tie him and stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. doing that. He's doing that to dinosaurs. Like at the beginning of the movie, he's on horseback and he's roping up dinosaurs and tagging them to help the dinosaurs. And uh, one of the dinosaurs, I don't know, it's a raptor. Blue is this mm-hmm. dinosaur? Uh-huh. Okay, his buddy. All right, that's his buddy. Whatever. That 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 buddy has now got a little blue, like a baby blue. And mm. so they hang around near the blue and the little baby blue hang around near the cabin where the kid and Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt live. And, um, and Baby Blue has like a kind of a, 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 a relationship with the little girl because they're both like synthetically made creatures, whatever. And, they, they, and so these poachers, led by some jagoffs with like eye patches and beards because that's how they are, they show up and they kidnap Baby Blue and the little girl. And oh. they take her away and they're going to bring her to this island that's, that's uh, run by Campbell Scott and the Biosyn Corporation. They want to do more experiments on Baby Blue and the little girl. Uh, and B.D. Wong now works. He's a scientist. Was he in the first one? Oh, yeah. Okay. The very right. first, yeah. The I don't even know. Anyway, he's, he, so he, B.D. Wong shows up, and apparently he was in the first one. He was in the last one, too. He's all in right. Kingdom, too. All right. So he's in it, and he's, like, doing some experiments on a laptop, and they blah, blah, blah. But they've done some experiments, and here's what brings in Laura Dern. Uh, well, well, no, Jeff Goldblum actually is working for Biosyn, uh, doing lectures and selling books. So that's what he's doing. Um, uh, anyway, so, <laughs> so what's happening in the world now, besides this kidnapping, which involves Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, having to get to this island to save Baby Blue and the synthetic girl. Uh, not only is that happening, but the DNA uh, experiments that Biosyn and Campbell Scott are doing, they've done on locusts. And so now there are these swarms, millions and millions of giant locusts. What? Like, like four feet long locusts. What the hell's going on here? Flying wow. around, flying around, um, and eating all the crops on Earth. Um, and so they're killing the food that Whoa. we eat. They're killing the food that the food that we eat uh, are, are, are killing. And so the world is approx- going to end in approximately, I don't know, a year because of all these giant locusts. These thousands and thousands of swarms of giant locusts are eating all the wheat and everything. And so Laura Dern finds out about it from a farmer uh, uh, who's crops have been completely annihilated by these four-foot-long swarms of locusts. So Laura Dern shows up on this farm and says, oh, let's get some samples. And then she discovers that there are these experiments that are being done on these locusts. So she brings in Sam Neill. She goes and meets him on a dig somewhere and says, hey, help me out. We're going to this island where they're doing DNA you know, experiments on dinosaurs. And I don't know, here's a giant locust. Look at it. And so he's looking at the giant locust. He's like, oh, this, is a, this is a giant locust. I will help. <laughs> and so they go together to the island where Jeff Goldblum is, who secretly isn't really working for them, but wants to stop this corporation from doing horrible things. And so he tells, <laughs> he tells Laura Dern and he tells Sam Neill that the place is evil and the three of them kind of undercover work to try and stop the evil uh, uh, Campbell Scott and the unwilling participant, really, B.D. Wong, who just wants to save Baby Blue and the girl as well. And meanwhile, Chris Pratt 
and uh, and what's her ass? Uh, 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 Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. They show up and they all come together to fight the evil crap that's happening on Biosyn Island. Uh, and then at one point, uh, locusts are set on fire, stuff is blown up, and the dinosaurs get loose. And that's it. So the, the object is to stop the evil locusts, to get the DNA, and to save Baby Blue and the little Frankenstein girl. And so all of the characters reunite from the first movie, and then the two uh, uh, franchises come together to fight Campbell Scott. So that's the plot. Now... I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Eric. I but ah. that's the, the 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 plot hinges on giant locusts, and I'm not making that up. That's it sounds like this. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying. I was just gonna say. It sounds like the screenplay by it was written by Mad Libs. <laughs> well, that's what it feels, <laughs> dude. I'm not kidding, Steve. That's that's what it feels like, and you have nailed it. You haven't even seen the goddamn movie, and you've nailed it because that's exactly what it feels like. Oh, I've and seen it. it. I just don't feel like talking about it. Oh, no, you've no, no. Oh, no, okay. I haven't right. seen it. I haven't. Right. I'm haven't kidding. Seen... Okay. Because it's Friday. Because it's Friday. Right. And so. you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> right. right. Or you're watching it now. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. anyway, uh, Eric, there have never been locusts in any of the other movies, have there? There have not. No. Okay. So, <laughs> and I, let me, flying dinosaurs. But let me just it. say this. Let me just say this. In my, for my, for me. My favorite part of the movie were the giant locusts. That was my favorite. Yeah, part of the movie. very mimic of you. Uh, um, I oh, I love mimic. I love that movie. God bless. God bless that genius. So anyway, uh-huh. um, uh, so so anyway, uh, so the, the plot is obviously ridiculous. So the question is, um, the payoff is: is the dinosaur action fun? Uh, do the do seeing the old characters does it make people happy? Well, I don't care because I don't remember any of the characters. <laughs> I don't remember any of the shit that happens. Um, the crowd I saw it with, it seemed to me that a small port, it seemed like it was a packed place. It was a, like a press public screening. Oh, mm-hmm. um, and so it was packed with fans. Like the people that went to this the other night were very, very, they were obviously fans. Um, and a small smattering of applause would happen every once in a while, like when people would show up, like when they zoom in on, you know, like there's a part where, uh, and even I know that there's an iconic shot of them like pulling their sunglasses off and looking at dinosaurs and going, uh-huh. "Oh, you know that." I even I I know I even know that that's sort of a big deal. Well, they recreate that with Laura Dern. The camera zooms in; she pulls the sunglasses off when you first see her. And of course, there were a couple of people in the back because oh, yeah, yeah. they, of course, remember <laughs> that because we're all grapes from South Park at this point because uh-huh. that's all we are now. And so, um, so there was a little bit of that, and I guess there were a couple of lines of dialogue that people recognized that were meta, that I went, I don't know what the fuck, I guess I'm supposed to know what that is, but I don't. Um, and there's a major plot point that I, obviously I can't, I can't tell you. I wish I could. I can't tell you about. But there is an item in the movie, and I won't tell you what it is, but there is an, a, you know, an inanimate object in this movie that during the final act becomes very important. Like they show close-ups of it, and characters want it, and I guess this inanimate object was a big deal in the first movie, and I had no idea. And so afterwards, I asked somebody, like, and I was sitting next to Sergio, and he had no, Sergio Mims, by the way, our friend. He didn't yeah. know either. He was like, I don't know what that object is either. That's not, un- that's not unusual, though. Or the significance of it. But clearly, right. this, this object had some very strong significance uh, because they kept showing it with no explanation. There was no, they didn't set it up. 
In the movie, suddenly this thing appears, this object appears, and becomes very, very important. And I'm like, I don't know what this object is. They didn't tell me what it was in this movie, so obviously this must be a reference to another movie. So is after the, the movie... Of sh- is it the can of well, shit? Well, 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 well. Don't... See, that's what I... I'm just guessing. That's a total yeah, guess. That's exactly what I was going to say. Okay, I don't... I, I, well, for, for sake of not spoiling, I don't know. <clears throat> <laughs> So what, like the label's been ripped off or something? Or no, all right, okay. Well, you guys said it. Let me just say this: I, you guys said it. <laughs> yeah, you brought it Barbasol. up. Barbasol. It's Is a, that a spoiler. Gu- it's a can yeah. of Barbasol. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, all right. I, I, well, don't I remember that. What you don't remember? <laughs> how do you, what? How do you guys not remember that? I don't. I remember it. I don't I, remember. Oh, you it. And not, I, I'm not used to you. I'm talking about him and Sergio. I don't remember it because I don't. Oh I God. don't. I don't care. I don't like the first movie, and I don't remember it. So after the movie, well, I can tell you the story now. So for, listen for the people who are listening, because this can of Barbasol shows up only in the last third of the movie, and it uh, evidently it's a surprise because it's the same. I guess it's the same can of Barbasol. Oh. So it's like a thirty-five-year-old oh. can of Barbasol. That, like, uh, so I don't know. All right, well, okay. By the way, if you're going to voicemail me or send me emails, (laughs) Eric and Steve, Steve particularly, (laughs) is the one that said it was a can of, okay, anyway, this fucking can of Barbasol. I was joking, but I was joking. I was was serious. Okay, (laughs) that's that's what it is. This can of Barbasol shows up (laughs) and becomes, like, this major thing, and there's a moment in the movie where the can of Barbasol, I guess... Okay, the can of Barbasol. I was told that the can of Barbasol in the first movie involves Newman from Seinfeld. Yeah. Okay. Where he hides all the, the, the dino DNA in. All right, I don't know. I don't to remember that it shit. off the island. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember any of that. So I remember Newman was in it. That's the only thing I know. Here's, what I, here's a quick, quick story. The first time I saw, uh, Jur- the, well, the only time I saw Jurassic Park all the way through was the first time. And it was at a screening. And, uh, and I was not, at that time when Jurassic Park came out, I was not, I didn't watch Seinfeld. Right. And Eric, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah. I was late to the game on Seinfeld. I didn't start watching Seinfeld until it went into syndication and reruns around 2000. So in the 90s, I never, ever watched Seinfeld. So at the press screening or the, the big <laughs> screening of Jurassic Park back in 1993, someone yelled in the theater yelled out, Newman! And everybody started laughing. <laughs> When he appeared on screen. And I, like now, with the Barbasol can, leaned over to my friend and went, what is that? What are people yelling? What is Newman? And he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's Newman from Seinfeld. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know that. To me, he's the, he's the big guy from JFK and Basic Instinct. That's go, who right, he right. is. Yeah. So, all right. So anyway, so this can of Barbasol. So after the movie's over, I asked I ask Sergio, I'm like, what's the deal with the Barbasol? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, I don't either. He goes, ask Eric. I said, all right, I will. So <laughs> as I'm walking out, Peter comes out. Okay? Peter, our, yeah. our, 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 our buddy Peter. He comes out. I'm like, hey, do you know the significance of the goddamn shaving cream? And he went, yeah, of course I do. You know? <laughs> and so then he explained to me what it was. And then someone overheard us having the conversation and said, you don't know what the Barbasol is? And starts yelling at me starts yelling at me and this person was wearing a jurassic park t-shirt so i got yelled at by a jurassic park fan for not knowing what the goddamn can of barbasol was so well, let me tell let me tell you this too nick going back to 93 
when I had seen Jurassic Park a number of times with a number of people. And I remember friends of mine, we had, I had just graduated high school at the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when that scene comes, because you're not going to remember this, I'll describe it to you. But Newman loses the can of Barbasol and it gets, there's a shot where it gets like uh, covered in the mud from the thing. And I had right. were, friends of mine came up to me like, do you think that's going to come back in some way? Is that going to be something that comes back later? I'm like, no. I swear to God, Nick. I swear to absolute God. Wait, well, okay, hold this, on a second. Who was yes. that person? Who was that person? And are they fucking psychic 30 years down the road? They, they must have been. It was a friend of mine from high school that they thought because of the way that it was filmed <laughs> that it was something that was going to come back later, either in the movie or possibly in a sequel. And I said, like, no, that's probably just something, you know, that, showing that he lost his. Oh, nest egg basically that is there. hilarious okay yeah well it's back eric it's back tell oh. your friend it took it took 32 years you know or 30 years almost but it's back um that is wow. hilarious that is absolutely hilarious and and by the way it's you know i remember the the newman thing because the dinosaurs that have the wings and go and they spit shit at you yes okay the, that dilophosaurus the, whatever they those things <laughs> <laughs> show up show up in a scene with the Barbasol can, so I guess it's a recreation of that scene. You know what I mean? So sure, that's okay. It's not just a call the, the item isn't just a callback. The scene is a is a complete okay. callback. Right. All right. All right. So anyway. All right. Overall, uh, it's terrible. It it is <laughs> it, it is it's all the fan service meta stuff that I hate. Uh, uh, and just on a, on the simplest of levels. There are no real payoffs. I will say this. It's two and a half hours long, but it does move. I will say okay. that. It's, it, for two and a half hours, this thing is well-paced. I didn't care about any of the characters. Uh, to me, I was not connected to any of it because, you know, I just don't care about the movies. And, and this, again, will be a different experience for fans. That's why, Eric, I'm really curious as to what you feel about it. Um, uh, yeah. uh, Tom Hush, my ex-producer, who, by the way, is now the producer of the Steve Cochran show on WLS Morning Drive. Fantastic. He just he just got hired. God bless the world. But anyway, he is a massive fan of Jurassic Park and the Jurassic Park movies, except he hated the last one. But he's a huge fan, and this is how old uh, I am. He was born the year. He wasn't born when the first Jurassic Park movie came out. He, yeah, that's, he was, that's he, all of us. He was born six. Way. He he was yeah. born six months after Jurassic Park came out. That's how old. That's how young he is. But anyway, he loves it. He's got his ticket. He's going tonight. Uh, he's, he went last. He went last night. Um, and I'm really curious to see what fans think of it because I'm clearly not. Um, well, a- after this, I'm, I am incredibly excited now to see this movie last night. Okay. Well, I will say this. Um, <laughs> like I said, it does move. Uh, to me, you know, I was mostly completely underwhelmed by it. There is one uh, chase scene in the film that involves motorcycles and jeeps and dinosaurs running through um, Malta. Uh, which actually oddly reminded me of the scene. You know what, Steve? Uh, uh. Reminded me of the scene in the uh, the last Dumbledore movie, <clears throat> uh. where they're running around the, the they're, they're running around that town, uh, trying to find what the real suitcase is. You know what right, scene I'm right, talking right. about? Where it's like yeah, a yeah. very it's a very Raiders of the Lost Ark esque kind of scene where they're right. running. Okay, there's a scene in uh, there's a chase scene in uh, this new Jurassic World movie, Dominion that takes place in a very similar kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark sword fight village setting uh, where the dinosaurs are running loose and, and Chris Pratt's on a motorcycle and there's a Jeep and 
and all kinds of crap. And that's the only scene in the movie that really is well done and comes to life. And that's about four minutes worth of footage. Um, and it, it, although it moves, it, it, the pacing is quick. I was just underwhelmed and bored by most of it because I didn't care. Um, a lot of wasted talent, uh, a lot of paychecks uh, that everybody is cashing. Um, I, I thought it sucked. I, I, I thought it was terrible. Um, and it was definitely not nearly as weird and interesting as the last one. And to me, fits in with the rest of the series, which to me is not good. So, you see, Nick, if you asked, if you made me take a quiz on the last Dumbledore movie, I couldn't tell you one thing about it. And I saw that two months ago. Yeah. But I could tell you everything about Barbasol. Yeah, I got you. I understand. And, and you know what? The only reason I remember that scene in the Dumbledore movie is because it's the only scene that I thought was kind of cool, was the mm. scene with, with the, where they were switching the suitcases. Eric, do you remember the scene at all? No. Okay. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, but it's the, uh, but I mean, I don't blame you because, you know, this is how I live all the time with stuff like that. (laughs) Yes. So. What um, a charmed existence. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, it's not a surprise. I think Jurassic World Dominion is awful. Um, And I don't know what it's going to do money wise, but we can talk about that in a minute. So, uh, and Eric, really seriously. uh, Oh, thank you for the text letting me know what you thought. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I expect one later. Uh, so just cause I'm really seriously, I'm genuinely interested to find out what fans of the series think of this one. That's okay. Okay. Steve, where do you stand on the Jurassic movies? You like them? Um, my memory is that I liked, uh, the first one and that might be it. That might be my favorite. Like, I don't know if I have. I, they, they don't. They're not ones I revisit. So yeah. Now I, 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 I would admit, imagine like, that they don't mean anything to me. Eric, I would imagine that I know you're the biggest fan of this series than of the three of us. But I would imagine mm-hmm. that most people think the first one's still the best, right? Oh, I don't think there's anyone who would question that. You're the only person I know that likes Lost World more than the, the yeah. first one. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, no, everyone will be on board with the first one. I think there's a there's a good handful of people that like the second one, including myself. And I think the third one is a fun matinee, ninety minute yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I wasn't, a, I wasn't a fan of Trevor's Jurassic World, and yeah. I liked the last one because I thought that there was uh, not only did it go crazy in the last half hour, but uh, I think that there are actually some generally good set pieces. I agree. In that thing, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I it, without question, my favorite is the is the one, the last one. Um, the one that that's the that, without question, it's my favorite of the. But if this Jake is, Johnson isn't in it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> he's, not in it. It yeah. he's not yeah, in I it. Yeah, I know. He's not in it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but Eric, I mean, what, what 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 here's here's the deal. What we got in the first Jurassic World, this is what we get in this one. That's that's mm. sort of the the adventurous okay. uh, the adventurous fun stuff and interesting weird shit from the last one. That's all gone. Yeah. It's very right. much it's it's very much like the first Jurassic World. So mm-hmm. there you go. All right. Hustle is a new movie that is now available on the Netflix. It's playing in select theaters uh, around the world. And this is Adam Sandler's new movie, but it's not really an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, Eric, tell me about uh, the NBA drama Hustle. (laughs) All right. Well, this is the new film uh, starring Adam Sandler, and he plays a scout for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, this movie, a basketball movie that actually doesn't uh, shy away from giving you the actual names of players and stuff within the movie. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, we see him on the road looking for new talent. Uh, he gets brought back uh, for one of the scout meetings at the at Philadelphia's office uh, that is, I guess, owned by Robert Duvall, uh, who shows up yeah. for like two scenes in Bobby this movie. Bobby D! 
Bobby, Bobby D, D shows up uh, in, a, in a couple, I think, actually really nice little scenes with Adam Sandler. Uh, his son uh, is played by Ben Foster, and he's the, the guy that will be <laughs> the next person up the ladder. Wait, uh, once... wait, let me... is he a bad yeah. guy? Is he a bad guy? Uh, yep. <laughs> he's a yep. full douchebag. He's in full douchebag oh, mode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, he's, not, bald. he's not. He's not a vampire in this one, is he? Though he's not a vampire, okay. but he is bald. Okay. He is fully bald in this one. <laughs> okay. uh, and uh, <laughs> and there's clearly a uh, different uh, voices of opinion on different players between Sandler's Stanley Sugarman and Foster's uh, Vince character, but uh, Duvall kind of sees. Stanley is a little bit more closer to his liking in a some sort of way that I guess uh, fosters Vince. Uh, and he even <laughs> offers him uh, the opportunity to go from a scout to become an assistant coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. But then uh, he dies. Uh, and uh, even though he has an, uh, he's going he's going to be an assistant coach, uh, Fosters uh, tells him that they he's more invaluable as a scout are more valuable as a scout, so yeah. they, they 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 take him off the coaching bench and put him back on the road, where he discovers uh, this guy named Bo Cruz, played by Wancho's Hernan Gomez, who is an actual NBA player for the Utah Jazz, I believe. Right. Yes. Yeah, and uh, discovers him, and he's basically sort of in kind of white men can't jump mode. He's doing the hustles on on the street. He doesn't play in any kind of regular league. Uh, he lives with his mother and his young daughter. And he convinces him uh, to come back to the states and basically, you know, to try out in these uh, these uh, you know game uh, games during the summer that uh, all the NBA player uh, scouts and everyone uh, teams look at to possibly join their team. Uh, he has some uh, some issues in his past, some anger issues, uh, an assault charge that comes up, uh, which kind of possibly damages uh, the potential for him to be, get drafted. Uh, he has a little bit of a, not mental issues, but the way that there's a, a, a sort of a villain character uh, played by uh, Anthony Edwards, not that Anthony Edwards. Oh! Not, 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 I, Nick, when Anthony Edwards' name came up on the, on the opening <laughs> credits, I looked in the entire movie for Anthony Edwards and discovered uh-huh. that the villain in the movie was played by Am- this guy named, another guy named Anthony Edwards. Oh. Um, and he's there, and he trash talks him on, on the court, and it kind of upends his game a little bit. But uh, it comes down to uh, this relationship between these two guys and how he's trying to get him uh, in, into the NBA. And, and this is a film that, I mean, the, the, the cast list goes even further from there. Uh, Queen Latifah actually plays Sandler's wife in the movie, and there's the, they, have a, they have a really nice relationship, even though she is kind of reduced to a wife character. Uh, now, um, now I, I understand there's somebody in this movie that, I, uh, that I'm in love with, and that's Heidi Gardner. Does she... I was just about to say, uh, Heidi Gardner, uh, she, she plays uh, Foster's sister, Duvall's uh, daughter, in the movie, and, uh, and she actually she doesn't have a big role in the movie, but I, I was going to point her out because the couple scenes that she has with Sandler, she's not playing a jokey type character but there's yeah. a real sort of warmth about her that you know we see Heidi Gardner we immediately kind of start laughing but there's a kind of a real kind of dramatic warmth about her in the movie yeah. that I'm not like, surprised characters expanded I'm not surprised yeah. honestly I'm not surprised yeah I, I will see you, you should know she she is technically co-owner of the team with the brother with Ben Foster right. she just lets him sort of take take the reins for a while until she doesn't, basically. Right. So, 
yeah. yeah, it's 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 one of the little conveniences in the plot that again describing the story we've seen sports movies like this you know kind of ad nauseum and this one taking place in the world of basketball uh there there haven't been i mean you you think about all the basketball movies that have been out there there's not a lot of big ones that you can really uh attest to it's particularly one that deals specifically with the the high ups in uh with the nba and whatnot well there was i mean this this whole hbo thing uh the Lakers thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the people like, I thought people didn't like that. Well, uh, it, it was good when Adam McKay didn't direct any of the episodes. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and it was, and I mean, there were part, there were some of it was good. Overall, it wasn't overall. It was pretty annoying. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it had a great cast. There were some great, uh, great performances in it. Um, but as long as Adam McKay wasn't involved, cause he directed like the first couple episodes and Jonah Hill directed one that sucked. Uh, but when mm. those guys, when those guys weren't involved, it actually was kind of interesting and fun to watch, okay. and it was way inside, way inside. You okay. know what I mean? So yeah. But but that's the kind of thing that I was hoping I, w- I was looking for with this movie. I mean, even with Sandler at at the helm of it, uh, this movie really knows basketball and shows you that it knows basketball in the way that uh, the director of the movie, Jeremiah Zagar, who actually had a film at our festival a few years ago called We the Animals. Uh, he does a really nice job directing the the basketball sequences in this movie. There's a lot of up close stuff. You understand where everyone is. Uh, it, it's really nicely uh, put together. Some in different ways that we haven't seen uh, basketball footage before. So he does a really good job with that. But he keeps the story flowing really well. And Sandler is a great center for the yeah. story. He really yeah. is terrific. In this movie, and uh, you know, we've seen Sandler's all of his you know personal comedic projects and whatnot, where he you know calls in a lot of favors and gets a lot of cameos. Well, he basically, I think he must have just called the entire NBA on right. speed dial and right. just got everybody in this movie. And it's it's really, and I don't even really watch a lot of NBA that, that much anymore, not mm-hmm. since the, the Bulls dynasty, really. Sure, sure. Um, but 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 this movie, I, mean, I was. It's a really solid piece of work. I was com, com, constantly in, engaged in it. Uh, I think there are a couple things towards the end that the convenience thing about the co-owners is a little convenient. And there's an interview that happens with Ben Foster at one point that would never happen, and uh, kind of upends <laughs> the plot a little bit. It would just it would never happen that way. Uh, but the, but the film is in very entertaining, and uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend it quite a bit. Okay, all right, uh, Steve, what do you think? Same. I, I would say you said something at the beginning, Nick, about how this isn't really an Adam Sandler movie. I would argue this might be the most Adam Sandler movie because <laughs> this is about something he really loves. I mean, he is such a huge basketball guy. He's always in the front row. Um, and he, like you said, he just has made so many friendships. I mean, the, the film is co-produced by LeBron James. We should mention that. Um, yeah. And, and like and the fact that it's set in the very real world, both past and present of the NBA. I'm like, Dr. J is a character in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he's in more than one scene. And um, yeah, I mean, it's this, this is like, this is clearly something he cares about. And I'm just sitting back watching this movie going, who would have guessed that like a, Adam Sandler in his fifties is this is when he's deciding to take his craft of acting seriously for the first time. So oh, oh, hold on a second. Oh, there's oh, a phone there going right. on. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. sitting next to a phone. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Anyway, hopefully that will stop it. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just I'm just shocked that this is when he's like he doesn't have anything to prove really. Right. He doesn't certainly doesn't need the money, and uh, but at the same time, like it's 
I'm thrilled to see him like taking it seriously. And he's still kind of funny in this, but it's mostly a, this is mostly like a sports drama. And 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 not in the typical like we're kind of building up to this. I mean, there is like a, there are a couple games at the end that are important, but it's not it's more just about these two men, like one of them put his trust in the other. They're kind of putting their trust in each other in a lot of ways. Um, and I really like the relationship between Sandler yeah. and uh, and this Bo guy. And it's it's yeah, it's a it's a terrific little movie and wow, okay, great good acting. So I, it was really quickly. The there was a uh, uh, Sandler's obviously been doing press on this, and he was on Seth Meyers mm-hmm. the other night. Did you guys see him on Seth? No, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay, so did. so then you 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 remember the story he told about Paul Thomas Anderson and him. Yes, yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Eric, let me let me quickly tell the story. Right. Um, he was talking about, because, you know, like, this is, again, kind of a serious movie, and he's mostly known for the goofy shit that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and obviously Uncut Gems was a you know, big surprise to a lot of people that he could be that good in a movie. Uh, but he was talking about, uh, uh, you know, he did a commencement speech at NYU, which is his alma mater. He graduated from NYU. And so they had him back uh, to, to do a, com- you know, to, to give the commencement speech. And uh, so he... <laughs> He said, oh, there's another. You're very popular today. It's not me. Okay. Anyway, right. okay. spam calls. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> anyway, uh, so, so he, he does the commencement speech at NYU. And, uh, and so he's like, NYU, is, that's where I went to school. And I was very excited because it was the first time I was back commencement speech since the last time I was there. And he said the last time I was there was because they had a big screening of Punch Drunk Love. And so they had me and Paul Thomas Anderson show up. And Adam Sandler's telling the story about how he went to NYU and he was very excited. You know, everybody knew that he went there and that he was really excited to go there to show his new movie. And he was so excited. And he and Paul Thomas Anderson, they showed the film. And then after the film, they did a Q&A and they opened up the floor. And he said, every single question, somebody raised their hand and stood up and said, Paul, um, listen, um, when you shot that scene in Boogie Nights, what lens did you use? <laughs> and, 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 and Adam Sandler was like, I'm on stage like, oh, all right, okay. Because he thought, you know, NYU, hey, Adam Sandler. So like every question, and he said, by the time I got to the 15th question where someone was like, when you shot that uh, f- frog scene in Magnolia, did you use that <laughs> camera, this type of camera? And then Adam Sandler's like, hey, look, uh, I'm Bobby Boucher. Don't you know? And, he's like, <laughs> and I just love that. I love that story. I love the story. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I, you know, I back yeah. Adam Sandler when he's not doing stupid shit with Rob Schneider. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. So I'll watch it. Okay, Hustle. Good movie. Yes. All right. Uh, really quickly, uh, Eric, uh, the numbers for, for Top Gun Maverick. Everybody knew it was going to do good. Did anybody do well? Obviously, my grammar is not good. Did anybody <laughs> expect Did anybody expect the kind of numbers that it's bringing in? No. No. I mean, it's didn't. ridiculous. And I think, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And even after it, you know, it broke the Memorial Day uh, weekend record uh, last week. Uh, even after that, no one, you know, was writing stuff, including myself, that this movie was going to be headed towards 400 million. They weren't even saying that, and they certainly weren't saying biggest movie of the summer, which is exactly where this thing is headed. But the, the I mean, the, the, you just look at the the, the total of, the, um, you know, the it's at like it's over 300 million now, uh, and it'll probably be by the end of the weekend, probably somewhere. Even if, uh, conservatively, it should be over 375 million. By Jeez. the end of the weekend, unbelievable. And but the wow. but the number from this past week that is absolutely insane, okay, is that the movie only made ninety million dollars in its second weekend. That's the eighth best second weekend in box office history. Wow. Okay, it gets even crazier than that. Uh, Sixty-three films prior to that had a hundred million dollar weekend opening. Okay, only fifteen of those films 
dropped less than 50% in their second weekend. Wow. And only and only 4 of those 15 fell less than 40%. The average drop of a $100 million opener is 55.9%. Top Gun <laughs> Top Gun fell 28.9%. Wow. Wow. Oh. Well, it's, it's insane. It's one it's one of these deals where clearly this is the movie for the people who were hesitant about going back to the movies and spending the money and going to the IMAX. Clearly this is the movie that did it. So like, I mean, obviously it's tapped into a a a, a huge portion of the population that hasn't gone to a movie in 3 years. And that's who's going. You know what I mean? All yeah. of those people are going. And the people who have gone to movies apparently like it enough to go back a second time. Uh, so it, I mean, the timing, uh, God, Tom Cruise is a smart producer. Jesus Christ. He's, yeah, a smart he is. Producer. Uh, yeah. he's just brilliant. I mean, the movie's terrible, but he's brilliant at what he, at, the, at producing. He knew the exact time to release this movie. He knew how to market it. Um, you know, I mean, my God, Paramount should just be like, uh, you know, giving, I mean, just give him the, give him the studio, let him yes. run it. I mean, Jesus yep. Christ. I mean, <laughs> he should. I mean, seriously. As long as he gets stars in all of their movies, of course. I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, that's astonishing. Now, how much do you think Dominion is going to make this weekend? Well, it's a, it's, it's, good. it's a question because not a lot of people like the last one. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, you know, that might not matter too much, but it might, you know, whether or not the nostalgia factor of the new the old crew showing up pushes it, you know, a little bit higher than the last movie. Uh, I have a feeling now with the, the bad reviews that you might be looking at somewhere around like 130, mm-hmm. 135 maybe. Um, I could see it going over 150 for sure, but yeah. uh, well, it's not going to do I, Top Gun numbers. No, I it won't. Think. And, well, I mean, I, I really do think that it'll do better than the last one simply because the first cast is in it. That's, you know what I mean? It like could. That, and that's going to have a huge, yeah. I think that's going to have a huge pull. At least the audience I saw it with was very excited to see Sam Neill and Laura Dern and, and uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum. So yeah, anyway. it's very possible. All right. Okay. Well, what do we? The next time we talk is in a couple of weeks. Uh, we will have seen Lightyear by that point. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, Elvis. and Elvis. And El- oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! He, hey, he was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Uh, that's yeah. a that was a that's a quote from. <laughs> and from also, uh, Mar- Marcel the Shell finally opens. Ah, uh, yes, Marcel. Uh, Marcel the Shell. And so, and and the Black Phone is opening. Ah, weekend, the Black Phone. So. so uh, yeah, uh, there you go. Ethan Hawke with a crazy mask. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. But well, Eric, uh, Steve, thank you. And again, uh, Eric, yeah. uh, uh, text me, which you already did, uh, after you see yeah. the Jurassic World. I just, I'm curious. So. Yep, I will do that again. All right. Uh, thank you, guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Sounds Thanks. good. There you go. All Thanks. right. Uh, Eric Childress, Steve Procopi. Uh, join us every two weeks. They'll do it again in a couple of weeks. You know who joins us every episode? the lovely Esmeralda Leon, and it's time to talk to her and hear her theme. Esmeralda, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esma, I'm talking about that Esma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah. Love me some asthma, asthma real delay home, yeah. There it is. The fantastic theme composed, performed by the one, the only Jason Skaggs. That's our great theme to let us know that Esmeralda Leon is here. Hi, Esma, how are you? 
Hi, I'm doing good. Oh, man, good. <laughs> what have you been up to since the last time I saw you? Any uh, fantastic adventures on the, on the, in the world? Um, uh, not really. I saw a show, uh, the night before, um, her name is Kate Bollinger. She's very good. Very like E3, ethereal. I don't know how to say that. Ethereal. There you go. Ethereal, like very pretty. I equated it to music that I would want to listen to while walking down the street. Just like. Out on a like a nice day, just walking down the street, or oh, like right, sitting okay. on a bus, like watching birds, out the window with, with birds chirping, <laughs> stuffed birds chirping, and sun. Yeah, like it's it sounds really not atmospheric, but it's um. I mean, it's ethereal, not ethereal like high is... end. It's not anything like like soup. It's not dancey. It's not this. It's just like kind of like you're somewhere and you just this music is playing. Yeah. More in, okay. like for the environment. Like where the did she? And... Where did she play? Where's the game? She was at Shuba's. Ah man, I haven't been to Shuba's in such a long time. Been a long time since I've been there. I like Shuba's. Great room. Yeah. Yeah. Very. very it was cool. very. It was very good. And she was. She was great. She's super young. She's like 22, I think. Um. So yeah. What's her name? What's her uh, name again? Kate Bollinger. Kate Bollinger. Okay. I have mm-hmm. to look her up. I, I've, I've not heard of her. You know why? Because I'm 56. <laughs> that's what I've never. I didn't. I didn't really know either. My friend um, got a free ticket, so oh, okay. he uh, offered it to me. Yeah, uh, the old days, man. Shubas. I used to hang out there. Uh, I used to see. I had friends and bands and stuff that would play there. Mm. It's a great room. I actually sang on that stage. Oh wow! Um, I sang. I didn't know uh, you sang. I sang Dennis Leary's asshole. Um, on that well, stage. Um, <laughs> I used to sing that song. That was my my theme song for a very long time. I used to sing it. I used to sing it every Sunday night on stage at Ginger's Ale House. It, wow! It, yeah, it became <laughs> like my theme song in the early nineties. Yeah, like it was a thing. Ninety two, ninety three, and and I, it, I sang it so often at Ginger's that, that um, it became sort of my theme song, and people would recognize me in the bleachers at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. People who were like regular and go, "Hey, asshole!" and I'd be like, "Hey, how you doing?" So, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. Shuba's a great room, though, man. That's a great room. I love that place. Beat Kitchen. Is Beat Kitchen still around? Um. Yes. Yes, it yes. is. Beat Kitchen is still around, yes. Okay. Empty Bottle, I know, uh, is still around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That one on Lincoln uh, across from Muskie's is closed. The one that was in the oh, base. Elbow um, Room. Elbow Room. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. closed. I used to love that place, too. Avalon, second floor. Um above uh well what used to be uh well let's see it's now a hair salon it's been a hair salon for a long time at belmont and sheffield right next to the vic on the second floor it's a it's a hair salon now oh yeah yeah it's emilio's been a hair salon for years for, years, for years. like 20 years emilio's yeah. I believe is the name uh, of it. no Ugh, i can't remember the name but you know what I'm talking I, I've about. I've been Second there a few floor, times. Yeah, right next to the to the L stop, right by the Vic. That mm-hmm. one, that, that used to be the Avalon nightclub, man. Oh, yeah, the Avalon. A lot of my friends' bands back in the uh, early '90s, late '80s used to play there all the time. Those were the places, man. So, but Shuba's cool place. That same same people who run Shuba's um, uh, also uh, run uh, Lincoln Hall, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, they yes. do. Emilio's. 
Melios, right? That's the name of it. Melios. Yeah. Not Emilius. <laughs> oh, Melios. Different okay. man. Okay, different. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, well, all right. So, um, you know, uh, we're going to talk old school restaurants. And I, mm-hmm. We love to talk yep. food. We love to talk old school restaurants. And it's timely because I just heard the news this morning, as well, and I know that you heard about it. We just talked a little bit about it mm-hmm. before we started recording. Um, I live roughly two blocks directly east of a Golden Nugget. Um, and everybody, you know, for people who don't know, if you're not from Chicago, if you're not, you know, you're not familiar with it, Golden Nugget uh, is a small chain, kind of independently run diner, kind of IHOP, kind of late night, 24-hour diner places, Golden Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And they are littered throughout Chicago. Or there were more of them. There aren't that many left. They're littered throughout yeah. Chicago. 24-hour, you know, breakfast diner place. Used to go there all the time. And uh, the one that is directly two blocks west of me uh, closed down on Sunday. And it, was, it, it had been there for over 52 years. And um, I lived, I've lived in this apartment now and in this neighborhood now for over 11 years. And for about the first four and a half years, I used to go to that Golden Nugget. Never sober, though. <laughs> oh wow! I would go in there after the bars closed, two, three o'clock in the morning, and uh, and eat there, and then stagger home. But I've, obviously, I've been to that Golden Nugget many, many, many times, and Golden Nuggets all over the place, and it made me sad that it closed down. Um, yeah, yeah. So now they only have there's th- uh, three, four, five. There's five left, hmm. and that one was one of two that were twenty four hours. All the other ones close fairly early now. Yeah, I guess it's just not, you can't do that anymore. I, you know. Yeah, which is such a bummer because, you know, it's just so hard to find, it's hard to find somewhere to eat now after 10 p.m. It is, it is, it is. Uh, And, and uh, Golden Nugget was a standby for me. You know, like I've been to, I can't tell you the number of them that I used to go to. The one that there was one on Lincoln Avenue by the Athenaeum Theater. Um, oh yeah, uh, and that's Golden Apple. Right, Golden Apple. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know oh, if that's Golden still... Diners. Go- yeah, because some of them change their names. They get franchise owners, and so they're like Golden. Yeah. Let's call it Golden Apple or Golden Village or something. They'll just change the thing, you know. Uh, but yeah, Golden Apple. That one on Lincoln used to go there all the time after bars yeah. closed. And that um, one, that one is still open. Okay. Fortunately, it's twenty four hours. Oh, it's still there. Okay, that's cool. What yeah. another one on Lincoln? It's in a funky. It's in a funky space, in my mind. Like it's weird to get to. Yeah, it's like the sort train. Of... Yeah, there's no really like real straight shot to get there. No, you're right. You're right in terms of that in that regard. But like I used yeah. to do, I used to do because the Athenaeum had a bunch of theater spaces in it, and I used to do shows mm-hmm. there. And we would eat there all the time afterwards. And like we would go to Lincoln Tap, you get drunk at Lincoln Tap, and then you go over to the Golden Apple. That was just what you did. Um, and then there was, a, there was another one on Lincoln, no, much further north, near Montrose, near Wells Park. Not Wells. Um, um, the park there at, on Montrose and uh, Lincoln Western Horner? No, um, no, the park, no the I park, think that's Wells. Right by old, Wells. Oh, yeah, Wells Park, right by Old, uh, yeah, by, that's uh, old Wells. Town School. Old Town School. Yes, uh, Horner, okay. Horner is down uh, further west on Montrose. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's California Park, which is at Addison in California, and Irving in California, mm-hmm. uh, that area. But the, the uh, Golden Nugget there, I don't know if that one's still open. It's on Lincoln, just uh, south of Montrose. 
No, that has been gone for years. Has it? <laughs> for years. Okay, like I, used I to go to when that I one. used to live over there. So it's been gone since at least 20 No, really? 13. At least. So it's been gone for at least <laughs> almost 10 years yeah. at least. Yeah. Okay. It's a Lumelnatis now. Oh, it is. Oh, that's right. It is. It is. I totally <laughs> forgot that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's been gone for a very long time. So all the golden nuggets that I used to get drunk and then eat in are gone now, except for the golden apple on Lincoln. That's the only one. Yeah. Uh, um, I enjoyed, so when I used to do Instacart, I would sometimes go over to the golden nugget that is on Lawrence. It's Lawrence and Ravenswood. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And I know. Yep. they have... The tastiest, I think it was a cream of broccoli. And I think they have them like at all the restaurants. But the cream soups, I love a diner cream soup. I do too. Whatever it is. Cream of whatever. I will take it. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Uh, Now, is that one still there? I don't know how to rep. That one's still there, yeah. Yeah, that one's still there. It's still Um, there, but they close fairly early. They close at like 9 p.m. Monday through Friday and 8 on Saturday well, and Sundays. The one down the block for me that just closed permanently um, right before COVID, or I think about it, maybe, no, actually long, about a year before COVID, they started closing at 10 p.m. Yeah, uh, it's such a, it's so and, sad, but I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then after COVID, there was no, I mean, I would walk past the place and nobody was ever in there. Nobody. I went in there yeah, a few times. I mean, yeah, it's different because people don't, that was always, there's always something else. Yep. That would get you there, and maybe that something else is gone now, or yeah, or doesn't uh, the, either doesn't exist or is closed for the time being, or whatever. Whatever yeah. would get you out at night to then get to the golden nugget is this golden nugget that far between. Just, this golden nugget that just closed down is uh, diagonally across the street from a place called Joe E's Unforgettable Lounge. Hmm. <laughs> Which is a four o'clock joint. I don't know if it still is, but when I first moved in here, I was at Joey's a lot, getting loaded, and then just staggering across the street to the Golden Nugget. And a lot of people, a lot of people did that because it was literally located. It is literally located right across the street from this unforgettable lounge, which is still open. I don't know if it's still a four o'clock bar, but it's still open. So, well, all right. So, old school restaurants. Do you have any favorites that pop into your head? Um, my favorite, actually, and I would do this a lot when I was doing overnights, is when we would be done, like on a Friday mainly, um, I would go over to Lou Mitchell's. Oh, yeah. Like, I would walk over because it would probably, the amount of time it took for me to walk over, they would then be open. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or if I lingered a little bit at the station and then walked over, like, they'd be open. Yeah, Lou Mitchell's, uh, classic, classic place a lot, there's so many old school uh, old school places the um one of my favorite uh, old school places uh again not far far from me in my in my neighborhood uh that closed down a few years back uh was um jesus why am i blanking on the name the italian place uh right on irving uh, I don't know. old school italian place on irving and i'm blanking on it because i keep I'm, i don't know why but gina Giorgetti's popped into my head that's not it uh, <laughs> no, no, no. But Gina Giorgetti's. Okay, let's talk about Gina Giorgetti's while I uh, uh, figure out the name of the restaurant that closed down that I'm trying to think of. 
Um, yeah. Gene and Giorgetti's. That's legendary old school. Have you you've been to Gene and Giorgetti's? Oh, for sure. Uh, I've been there. I was there one time because that is too rich for my blood. Yeah. But I was there one time and it was when we all got fired from the loop Uh (laughs) with Johnny B and Johnny B took the show out (laughs) as like a final like cue. So we got and he took us to Gene and Giorgetti's. Yeah. So it was very nice because I was like, ooh, I've never been here. Um, and it was fun. It was fun to see because, yeah, very old school. The waiters and the old guys wearing the half uh, apron Yep. around their waist. Yep. It's very cool. Gene and Giorgetti's, I've been there a, a few times. And again, it's a very expensive place. But that is as old school as you get. I actually... Uh, I've been there a bunch of times, you know, just to eat, but also somebody mm-hmm. had their reception there. Oh, um, a, a wedding reception there years ago. And it was awesome. It was old school. And by old school, we mean legendary places that have been around a mm-hmm. long time that still do stuff the old fashioned way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gina Giorgetti's is fantastic. Last time I was there, I was with, uh, I was speaking of old school restaurants and, and great restaurants. I was with my, our friend, George Carzis. Oh, uh, the man who runs you. the he runs the greatest restaurant in, on the planet, uh, the Gale Street Inn over in Jefferson Park, GaleStreet.com, best restaurant ever, best ribs ever. Um, I'm going to go there for Father's Day for my dad because uh, we Very celebrate nice. everything. there. But uh, yeah, but last time I was at Gina Giorgetti's, uh, it was with George, George Carzas and a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. We had dinner there and then went to go see The Last Ship, which was that... Uh, very unsuccessful Broadway musical that Sting composed all the music for. Oh. And it played the auditorium as a test run. And so we went to Gene and Giorgetti's, had some steaks, and then went to see uh, Sting's uh, musical, which I liked, but nobody apparently else did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess not. But yeah, what I mean, was but it that's, about? Uh, it was a, he grew up in Newcastle. Uh, mm-hmm. Sting did, and he, 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 he did an album years and years, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, called The Soul Cages. And okay. most of that record is about him, his childhood, his relationship with his his, his father, uh, and living in Newcastle, which is a, a port town uh, where everybody worked on the ships. The ships would come in, and they would um, they would port there, and the sailors mm-hmm. would be there. And, and his father was a guy who you know used to work on the ships back then. Uh, he lived in the shadow of all these giant ships that would be in port in Newcastle, um, and that's also where uh, Black Sabbath comes from. Um, Oh. A lot of a lot of amazing people came from that around that area, mm-hmm. but it was a ship boarding, you know, like a castle or a town, and mm-hmm. he, the play was about a young ship worker uh, and dealing with uh, the last ship that would that you know the ships would cl- you know the ship uh, uh, ports would close down and that would put everybody out of work and that was kind of what the play was about. Oh, and I thought it was really good. Very and it, interesting. And it, it had a whole bunch of original music that he did, plus uh, songs from Sting's past from soul cages all into one show and nobody saw it. I have a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, we went to Gina Giorgetti's before that and the meal was. Now, did anybody have salad? Did anybody get a salad? Um, yeah. Now that's where they. Do they the, do like old school where they. they no, I don't. Make the last time I was there, the last time I was there, they didn't do the table side. Now, you know where they used bah. to do that. You know where they used to do that, Esmeralda? Another restaurant that's closed. Where's that? Um, Lowry's prime rib. 
Oh, on, I never got the chance to go there. Oh, that's too bad. That's legendary old school. That closed down because of COVID. That closed down when everything closed down on the in you know on the Magnificent Mile because it's on yeah. Ontario. It was on Ontario. Um, and uh, it closed down Ontario right near Michigan, just uh, mm-hmm. just west of Michigan on Ontario. Yeah, Lowry's Prime Rib. That was as old school as it got. We used to go there for holidays. My 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 family and I, my my aunt, my mm. my my aunt, my two cousins, and my my parents and yeah. I would go there for Thanksgiving or we'd go there for Christmas. It was always like a big holiday thing because it was expensive, and we would go down there. And that yeah. Esmeralda would be. They had the they had the women dressed up with like the it's sort of in the old maid, you know, mm-hmm. uniforms with the little puffy hat, you know, mm-hmm. and the and the ruffled uh, aprons, you know. Mm-hmm. And they would come by. Waiters and waitresses would come by, and they would cut the meat. Like the prime rib would be, they would wheel the meat. You've you've done that before, right? Where, yeah, I've to, seen those. Where they cut the meat right in front of you. You go, yeah, give me that. Give me a, and they would cut the meat right on the plate in front of you and give it to you. And the salads would be spun in front of you, like they would have the big bowl, mm-hmm. and they would wheel over and put the salad. They would mix the salad, put the dressing in, and then they would spin it like the, the salad bowl would spin like crazy. And it was the big spun salad that the waiters who were and waitresses were all dressed up they would serve you it was great table side salad yeah i love that i want to do that there's a place in san francisco which i didn't get a chance to go to the last time i was there it's called the house of prime rib and they're like and i know um anthony bourdain went there on one of his shows and it's like that complete old school thing where they do it like the Caesar salad stuff. table side and everything. It's like, oh, that's all so good. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. I love those kind of... Now, here's the restaurant that I... And I can't believe I blanked on its name. Sabatino's uh, was the restaurant. Sabatino's. Sabatino's, I, which was... Did it close recently? I feel like there was a couple whole thing years about ago, it. A couple years ago. Uh, I think two, three years ago it closed. Uh, legendary place. Again, walking distance from where I'm sitting right now. On, uh, and that was old school Esmeralda you if if you've never been there you would have loved this place it was Italian it was basic old school Italian like the menu items were like 1940s Italian you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. the waiters all wore tuxes with the half apron the white you know the white apron hanging down from their tux jackets uh they would do flambés right at the table side they would do the salads. They would do the meat. Everything was tableside service. They had um, booths that you could go into that had doors on them, so that you could oh, like wow. close or close the curtain, so that you could just like be away. And then That's the, you fun. know, and they would ring a little bell to open up the curtain to serve you your food, because you know, in case you mm-hmm. didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> um, it was fantastic because you're, you're doing business. Because you're doing business, you're getting you're busy conducting business. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, conducting business. business. He's talking about cutting off a horse's head and stuff. So, uh, but uh, uh, so but no. apparently, the one of the co-head chefs of Sabatino's opened a new restaurant. Yeah, in my and neighborhood. It seems very. Yeah. Yeah. It seems very not not. I'm sure, like maybe aesthetics different, but yeah. In terms of menu, it seems. And what's it called similar. again? It's called Avio. Yeah. A v v i o. And it opened up about a, I think about a year after Sabatino's closed, but it's the same guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've not been there. I, I can't, I, I, I've not been there. Um, I have to go. We'll, we'll have to go, Esmeralda. We'll have to go. Yeah, it looks nice. I, some... I very rarely go to a Italian restaurant just because mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's that many that are good. 
I agree. <laughs> I agree. Sabatino's was one of them. Esmeralda, you would trust me. You would have loved Sabatino's. You would have, and the vibe, the decor was nothing changed in that place. If you walked into that place in 1950 and you walked into there a year before it closed down, it would look and feel exactly the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. I was talking. I had uh, the lovely Monica Ang on uh, my podcast a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. we were talking about um, Orange Garden over on Irving Park. Speaking of Ooh, everything, yeah. everything is on Irving really Park. Really good egg rolls. Great egg rolls, and that was the place that I grew up with uh, to get takeout because they didn't. They don't deliver. They never have delivered. Um, but Orange Garden, which is on Irving, just east of Damon Lincoln, that's Six Corners, uh, mm-hmm. and it's and you've been there, obviously. Yes, I've actually gotten delivery because now with all the apps, you can oh, get you delivery. Can, oh, you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you can get it with like Uber Eats or whatever one of those okay. apps. Okay. Grubhub. I guess I should. I, man, I guess I should do that because I love there. I love the food. Yeah, I did it because those egg rolls are bomb, and then the egg drop soup oh. is exactly the way I like it, which is that gloopy neon orange. Yep. Egg drop soup. Absolutely. Oh, that is my favorite ever. And they're honestly, I haven't really been able to find a place who can do it how they did it. So I'm kind yeah. of sad that they're gone. Oh, no, no. They're still they're in the process. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they're in the process of yeah. selling. But the people that, the people that are going to buy it, there's a, they're, they're kind of on the verge of already signing. The people that are going to buy it have uh, promised that they will keep it pretty much the same, that the recipes are going to remain the same. Um, they, but they did take down the iconic neon sign out front. Yeah, I heard um, Mr. Billy, Billy Corgan. Corgan has yeah. taken it. He did. He did. Island Park. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and Hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show. Hi, Hi I'm I, Carrie Russell, I and I love Nick's show. You know, she's uh, she's very upset because when she wasn't hanging out on my back porch, she would just walk across the street and go to Golden Nugget. Now she can't do that. Right. Oh man. <laughs> just have to figure out something else to do. <laughs> but if you if people can get a chance, Orange Garden. Uh, fantastic, legendary, and as old school as it gets. Um, so, right, now this article that uh, that uh, that we we have uh, we were looking at is from Thrillist, Chicago's Thrillist, mm-hmm. and it is old school restaurants. Are there any that you've looked at in this article that pop out at you, or any that you're interested in that you've seen in the article? Um, well, definitely. Uh, so I used to live in Edgewater, mm-hmm. and this is Andersonville, but it's like hop, skip, oh. and a jump. Yep. Uh, which is Svea, Svea in Andersonville, Svea. Svea, yeah, and that is owned by Scott Martin, who um, who is a buddy of mine, close friend of mine, who also owns Simon's. Oh, nice. Yeah, he he owns uh, he owns Svea, and uh, yeah, and, I've uh, I've fortunately I've unfortunately only been there a few times, but the few times that I was there, delicious because I don't wake up this early. <laughs> right. No, Svea. I don't wake great. up early enough to get in there. <laughs> Svea is Scott. Scott Martin, who is like the unofficial mayor of Andersonville, <laughs> and mm-hmm. has been for all the because I lived in Andersonville from 1995 to about 2000, 1994 to about t- 2008. So I lived there for mm-hmm. a really long time. Um, and uh, you know, obviously Simon's is the anchor of Andersonville, as they call it, and that's an old school tavern. Uh, and he, and Scott prides himself on that. You know what I mean? Like you walk in and mm-hmm. you can feel yeah. you can feel the history. You look at the mural on the wall, and it's been there forever. And you can you know you know about the hidden animals in the mural at Simon's. Uh, no, I oh. do not. Oh, yeah, you should have Scotty tell you that. You should have Scotty give you a tour sometime. One of the greatest things you'll ever do 
is visit Simon's. Ask if Scott's there. If the owner Scott Martin is there, ask him mm-hmm. to give you the tour. Ask him to give you the tour of the bar. It's fantastic, mm. and it's rich in history, and it's haunted. I used to I used to work oh. there, and late at night I would stock the cooler downstairs and hear some shit and see some stuff. Oh boy, it's haunted. Um, and yeah, he bought Sfea many years ago and has run it for a long time, and prides himself on running it as authentic to the world of you know to, to Swedish culture and authentic mm-hmm. to old school as you can possibly get. And Sfea and both Sfea and Simons. Are one of the are, are two of the few businesses left in that neighborhood that still feel old Swedish and wonderful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Svea is awesome. They're great. Food is there. You ever have the Swedish meatballs at Svea? Um, usually I just had breakfast. Just the breakfast because they're only open until like yeah. one or two in the afternoon. So yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, what about Chicago Diner? You know, I've only been there a few times. I wasn't a big fan. I'm I'm not a big uh, replace the meat with a fake meat thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd rather just just make a vegetarian meal. <laughs> don't like don't don't pretend it's something else. I'm this, I'm not that big of a fan of it. This is the Chicago Diner. It's hard. It's because there are so many other places. Because like, um, you got the Diner Grill, which is on Irving. God, everything mm-hmm. is on Irving. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Um, but Chicago Diner, this is on, is in, it's in Halstead, North Halstead neighborhood. Yeah. So there's two locations. There's one okay. on Halstead and then there's another in Logan Square on Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, now do, do, have you been to both? Uh, yes. And are, does, is one preferred over the other? Uh, I mean, not really. Probably the one on Milwaukee just cause there's more stuff over there. Yeah. Honestly to do and see or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's fine. I'm uh, not the biggest fan of like, like I said, like yeah, changing I've never the been, vegetarian thing. I've never been there. Um, I, I, yeah, so I mean, I know I've, I've obviously I've seen it and I know of the place, but I've actually never eaten there. So hmm. um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, they mentioned Ann Sather here. Now there's a few locations of that. One of them being across the street from Simon's. Uh, in fact, um, if that's still there, that Ann Sather's across from Simon's on Clark and Andersonville, I would imagine that's still there, right? Um, I think so. I've never okay. seen anyone in there. <laughs> uh, I've been in there. <laughs> really? It seems yeah. like a weird, like, like maybe they just do takeout or something. I don't no, know. I've eaten never seen. I've eaten in there. I've gotten the, I've gotten the sweet rolls and the whole deal. Um, you know, at Ann Sather's, uh, and then of course the one uh, on Belmont. Yeah, the, that's the, the one I've been to. That's the classic. That's the legendary. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great one. But yeah, I love Aunt Sather. You like Aunt Sather. You gotta love the the uh, the pastries, right? The cinnamon rolls. Oh, oh yeah, totally delicious. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, how about Calumet uh, Calumet Fisheries? You ever been I've to been wanting fisheries? to go there for so long, and I still haven't made the made the trek. Um, I have tried it though. Friends of mine have gone and like brought stuff back and it's delicious they, it is they're delicious. smoked uh shrimp and the fish really delicious yeah it is great i've i've only like you i've never actually been there but i have had food from there um it's great now have you ever been uh to uh hagen's no i haven't hagen's is on montrose not irving i was gonna say irving <laughs> 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 but it's uh it's on montrose just west of central Montrose, mm-hmm. just west of Central, Hagen's, uh, and it, it has the best seafood. Um, 
the, and I know that you, you know, you, you I'm, I'm sure that you like, like myself, you could probably eat five pounds of fried shrimp if it's done right. Oh God. Yeah. Esmeralda, you got to go to Hagen's. Oh boy. Let's do that. We're, well, let's make a list of places that we go to. First of all, we got to go to the, <laughs> but, oh, I got a report from one of our uh, subscribers that said that the burger at Arby's is awesome. Oh. So there you go. That we have to check that out for sure. Yeah, we have to try it. I thought I was thinking we could do a little like film something. Yeah, let's do that, right? Try it. Let's do it. Let's yeah, yeah. figure out which one in the loop we're going to go to and do it uh, before they close at 4 p.m. Because that's why we have to go right. <laughs> in the middle of the day. Um, but no, Hagen's. Uh, we got to go to Hagen's, Esmeralda. You have to. Yeah, you have to. It's it's um, you know as a guy who spent most of my uh, my teen years and my uh, and my twenties hanging out in the on, in, on the northwest side of Chicago. Uh, Hagen's mm-hmm. was a standby. My, you know, hey, listen, mm-hmm. Joe, my buddy Joe. Yeah. <laughs> he grew up. He grew up about four blocks away from there. It's like Hagen's is the fucking greatest place in the world. Nice. Um, and it is. Um, it's still good. Uh, it's run by the same family, uh, and mm-hmm. it is as old school as you can possibly get. If you get like they give you the brown paper bag filled with, you know, the the shrimp. And, you know, yeah. and then like the oil spots all over the bag. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just right out of the fryer. <laughs> <laughs> all the fish there is good. The fresh fish. You could bring in a fish that you caught. They will fillet it for you. They will do the whole thing. Really? Oh, yeah. They'll prep it That's for you. They'll nice. cut it. They'll fillet it for you. Just drop. Hey, look, look what I just got out of Lake Michigan. Uh, you know, here. <laughs> and they'll, they'll, yeah, wherever. Um, but they will cut yeah, it up I'm for actually... you. Yeah, I'm seeing this. They do a smoking service, too. They, absolutely, they will smoke whatever you want. You bring it in, they'll smoke yeah. it. I'm telling you, Esmeralda, you'll shit. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so let's go there for sure. Let's go there. Because it's not, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's literally five minutes away bus-wise from my place. So, you know, it's, it's not very hard to get to. It's right there. You can get stuff to go, and you can sit outside. It's, Hagen, Hagen's is a legendary northwest side uh, establishment that, Anybody in the neighborhood, anybody who's ever lived in that neighborhood or even surrounding areas knows that if you want mm-hmm. incredible smith, uh, smoked fish, you want incredible shrimp, any kind of stuff like that, you go to nice. Hagen's. Hagen's is the, is the shit. It really is. So, yeah. Let's figure out. Let's talk about it off the air. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and seriously, get together and let's, let's go eat like a bunch of stuff at Hagen's. <laughs> so... Uh, anything else on the uh, in this article from Thrillist for old school? And by the way, if you have old school restaurants that you want to share with us, please do voicemail your thoughts seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight or nickdpodcast at gmail dot com. We'll read them uh, on the podcast for your favorite old school Chicago restaurants. Anything else here, uh, Esmeralda? Um, another one that sticks out for me would have to be, of course, Super Dog. Yeah, I love Super. Also, during the pandemic, I ordered delivery from there. <laughs> I didn't know you quickly, could... Quickly. Very quick. Very quick. Really? Yeah, I did through Grubhub or something. I, I, yeah, I guess I just don't, I don't... I'm not aware of the ordering possibilities through, your, uh, through the apps. I mean, I have Grubhub and I yeah. use it every once in a while, but I wasn't aware that I could get Superdog in Orange Garden. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, they're kind of... I mean, I get it. Grubhub is kind of garbage, and most of the time, like, if you try to order something at night, it sucks. Yeah, but, and also uh, the, the, what the, the charges that they give and what they and what the, yeah. the, the takeaway from the people that work at the restaurant is not cool either. Like some yeah, of the stuff that, exactly. Like, happen, but if happens, you can, yeah, if you can get to Superdog, if you can drive there, fantastic. 
I oh, don't yeah. have a car. <laughs> it would no, take no, no. me and you, a very long time to get there. So me. I use the Grubhub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's possible to get there because, you know, Milwaukee runs on an angle and you can get there. But but uh, the thing about Superdog is th- part of the experience is really cool if you have a car because it's a drive-in. Yeah. You, dr- you drive in, you got the menus, you drive the car mm-hmm. up, you can order from your car and then wa- or you can walk up and get it uh, at that, you know, at, at Superdog. Um, and obviously the, you know, the building itself is legendary. The Mr. and Mrs. Hot Dog, Mr. and Mrs. Superdog on top. Mm-hmm. They're um, winking, flashing winking, light eyes. Yeah, it's legendary. <laughs> My issue with Superdog mm-hmm. uh, is I think it's pricey. I think Superdog is, uh, I think the prices are too high. I think it's overly expensive. That's just me. Um, I, I, for what you get, I think they charge too much. But what you get is good. The experience that you have... The vibe, the location, the feel is awesome. I just think it's a little pricey, especially mm, okay. if you, you you have a car, you can get into it, and five minutes away, you can go to Gene and Jude's. Uh, so that's because to me, Gene and Jude's is the best hot dog uh, in the city, the surrounding suburbs, anywhere. It's the best hot dog in the city, um, and uh, and that's old school too. Have you been to Gene and Jude's? I have not. Yeah, that's another one you got to go to. Um, and it's low overhead. You walk into Gene and Jude's and they've got, all they have is hot dogs and fries and tamales. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's the old school paper wrap, not real tamales, you know, not the real tamales, right? Yeah, but the yeah, tamales yeah. that you get at the hot dog joints, you know, um, but that's all they have. And you walk in, you place your order and they serve the, they, they, you can get a hot dog, a double dog, uh, fresh cut fries. Like they take the potatoes, they cut them right in front of you. They've got that big handle thing where you put the potato in and slice it mm-hmm. and then they, they just drop them right into the fryer from there so you've got hand cut fries uh you got hot dog double dog and tamales that's it and drinks that's it nothing else on the menu you walk in you order it um it's almost like the soup nazi you walk in place your order walk to the right <laughs> walk to the right boom 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 get your hot dog <laughs> no ketchup in the facilities at all they will not right. put ketchup on your hot dog they have if you want ketchup there's like one or two containers off in the corner for your fries. Um, uh, and it's the best hot dog in the city. And they put the hot, they put the fries like in the hot dog and wrap it together. So the salt and the grease from the, from the fries mix up with the hot dog. Oh, it's the best. It's the <laughs> best. And it's cheap too. And it used to be right next to the, the, the thirsty whale. Yeah, man. The thirsty whale used to be right next door. <laughs> So would you go to the Thirsty Whale and then go to Gene and Jude's? Fuck yes. <laughs> and then what used to be, it used to be like, Thirsty Whale, yeah, man, let's go see Enough is Enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go to the Thirsty Whale, you're like, yeah, man, Gene and Jude's. And you walk over to Gene and Jude's. And then if you wanted ice cream, Cock Robin used to be right across the, the little parking lot. So you so could just get everything. Everything for your your, you know. Your, your, yeah, your, for your, your gullet. For your, gu- <laughs> for your ears and your gullet on a late Friday night. Um, but yeah, uh, so it was that. And then the, and Cock Robin was a great ice cream place, old school ice cream place, where they, mm. you know what set, and I think we talked about this before years ago, Esmeralda. You know what set Cock Robin apart from other ice cream places? What's that? The shape of their ice cream scoop. It was square. Okay. It was square. Oh, right. I remember. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. And they had special cones where the top was a square shaped so they could put it. Right. So, yeah, they were square shaped scoops of ice cream. 
at at, at, uh, at Cock Robin, which was located right next to Gene and Jude's. Another old school place. Mm. Yeah. Hey, speaking of old school and ice cream, you've been to Marie's Candies. Oh, yeah. For oh, sure. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> By the way, Superdog sells uh, ice cream that's square. They do? <laughs> I did they not know that. A diced, a diced cream cone. Okay, and and so and it, they're little they blocks. Come... They're like blocks of ice cream. Oh well, that's cool. That's cool. I have to check that out. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was not aware of that. Um, but yeah, uh, Marie's uh, Candies is fantastic over there on um, Western and um, Armitage, right there. Yes. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Western near Armitage. And then it, it, that's also within walking distance of my favorite pizza place in the city. Which oh, is right. John's, John's Pizzeria. Okay. John's Pizzeria. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite thin crust in the city, without question. It's the best pizza in the city. And it's at like 2100 North on Western. Yeah. And then also on a really good um, hot dog place. It's not there anymore. They moved. Uh, Red Hot Ranch. Yes. I remember Red Hot Ranch. Yeah. Yeah, they moved. They just, they moved like down the street. They didn't move very far. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can get some fried shrimp, some burgers, mm-hmm. some hot dogs. It reminds me of Susie's in my neighborhood. Another uh, mm-hmm. legendary place. Susie's over on uh, Elston, right? Montrose and Elston. Your Montrose uh, yes. Elston. Yes, yes. Uh, that place is great. Late night. I don't know if they're still late night because I know, you know, since COVID. Yeah, I don't know if they are. But that was a late night place too to go to. Um. But yeah, do, do you have any that you like, like, were there any old school places in Joliet as a kid that you went to that you loved? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, the only one was the only one was White Fence Farm. Oh, yeah. Um, but anything else, if there is, we never went there. There was some there is some place called Mishka's. OK. Um, that's like in the Joliet area. And that's supposed to be like old school. I mean, we just don't eat that yeah. kind of food, I guess. <laughs> but all of these places are closing. Um, um, but yeah, it was it's old school. I went there once for something, like for school, like they had a dinner there. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Marishka's. Marishka's. And that's in Joliet? Yes, I and think. And it's still there or no? It's, at least it's in Will County. Um, it is. It is still oh, there. Okay. Okay. Um, but oh, it's um, it's it's like adjacent to Juliet, but it's in Crest Hill technically. But okay. that's kind of all. It's all mishmash. Yeah, I mean, it's just all like very basic, just like stuff you would get at an American restaurant. Okay. American, like nothing. It's nothing. Like you would think with that kind of name, they would have <laughs> something more, <laughs> something extravagant. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. something maybe like more Eastern European, a little more ethnic. And than, than, uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. they really do, but it is very old school. Like they have, um, tablecloth, the tablecloths are all, um, what's that called? The picnic, like the red squared. Yeah. I don't know what picnic style is what I would call it. <laughs> That's what I would yeah. Call it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of like that. It's like a super. It it reminds me more of like a a Wisconsin, uh, supper club type of situation, cool. like where it's just like really basic food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of yeah, it's like that. 
Uh, another place that's closed now that is that has closed down just recently was in Rogers Park. Did you ever, when you lived in Edgewater or anything like that, did you ever go or order from Gulliver's? Uh, I did not. Gulliver's uh, was a legendary place that just closed down. One of my favorite places ever. Uh, used to go there all the time when I lived in in um, when I lived in Andersonville, and it was mm-hmm. in Rogers Park uh, on oh Jesus Christ Devon maybe. I'm trying to remember Gulliver's in Rogers Park, and it was insane because the decor inside, the person who ran the place, the family who ran the place, used to collect as incredibly insane lamps and antiques as you can possibly imagine. And it was oh in, it was insane. Like you you would go in there and you would walk around the restaurant because it was like a museum of crazy antiques, particularly lamps. <laughs> And there was shit hanging from the ceilings and stuff everywhere on the walls. It was like it was like overload on weird, sometimes gaudy, often insane antiques and lamps. And it was so called they Gulliver's. Were, they were essentially the Gulliver's had to walk before TGI Fridays could run <laughs> with their tchotchkes on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except like Gulliver's was like, obviously it was not corporate. It was like a family owned place. Um, and the thing that I remember most about Gulliver's, other than it being awesome and like a wonderful, like whenever people would come from out of town to visit us, like mm-hmm. when I, because I, you know, like, like, for instance, I, in the years that I lived uh, at, uh, at that, uh, at that address, uh, I had uh, two live in uh, female uh, compadres, one wife and one girl. And whenever family mm-hmm. members would come in, we would take them to Gulliver's. That was the place to go because it was like nice. a, it was like a rave. You know, it was near. I want to say it was on Devon, like near. Uh, it was uh, twenty-seven twenty-seven West Howard. There it is, Howard. You're right. There you go. It was Howard. Okay, so it was on Howard, and and uh, the thing that I remember most about Gulliver's because I ordered delivery from there all the time. They had, mm-hmm. uh, they would challenge nowadays. They would definitely challenge Cheesecake Factory in terms of what was on their menu. You could get oh boy. any kind, <laughs> honestly, any kind of food, except I think maybe they didn't have Chinese food, but they had every other kind of food. Like the menu was insane. It was insane oh, wow. at Gulliver's. So you've got this menu where you can order, like it was like a 50-page menu. You had this insane, decorated, awesome, antique-filled, lamp-crazy, crazy house. Uh, and it was legendary. Gulliver's was legendary. Um, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was a great restaurant. So Gulliver's Gulliver's was opened by Burt Katz and um, his partner, Jerry Freeman. And Burt Katz is the guy who then later went on. So he sold Gulliver's and then he went on to do Pequod's. Yes. Uh, and then he went to do his own thing at Burt's place. And that's like the big famous one where like you have to call in and make the reservation. Right. right and he right. would like you couldn't just walk in. Because he would buy the things for like that day and all that kind of right. stuff. He did pass away, but it's that. So it was it that kind of style of pizza that like crusty, burnt. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could yeah. get. Well, actually, no, it's you delicious. Could, you could get any kind of pizza there. Like I'm, I'm not kidding. You could get the deep dish, thin crust, all of it. Every kind of pizza, every kind of burger, every kind of food. It, like seriously, it was insane. The menu was nuts, and it was just so unique. It was like literally the reason why we would bring people from out of town there is because it's one of those places that. You got to see to believe. It was when you'd walk in there. Like if you yeah. look it up, Esmeralda, if you look up like pictures of Gulliver's online, like, mm-hmm. like and just look at the interior, like interior Gulliver's restaurant, Chicago, you'll be like, what the fuck? Because seriously, you walk in there 
And you can't like just sit down and eat a meal. You have to walk around every like <laughs> every part of the room or every part of the every nook and cranny just to see all of the insanity that was decorating that place. It was nuts and it yeah. was beautiful and the food was cool. And I loved it. Um and then let's let's wrap it up here with Manny's. Manny's deli. Uh, I have still yet to go there. How oh, depressing God. is that? It's so, I always think it's farther than it really is. It's not that it's far. Not. <laughs> it's not that far. It, it seems far. It's it's just it's 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 South Loop kinda. Yeah, I always um, keep thinking it's way more south, and it it's, isn't. It's the South Loop. <laughs> it's no, it's not, not really. If you get off, if you like, take the Blue Line down to LaSalle and you walk a bit, you'll get there. Um, and I mean, it's the best. It's without question the best deli in the in the in Illinois, in the Midwest. I would say. Um, I mean, it's one of the few del- surviving delis because that too, they're closing. Yeah, unfortunately, they almost closed. They had they had a hard time. Manny's had a hard time, but it's you. You, you know, I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, pastrami, uh, the 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 corned beef, uh, uh, the uh, the matzo ball soup, everything, everything mm. that you would get in a deli is unbelievably great. It is truly a treasure, Manny's, and it is old school. It's cafeteria style. You walk in, you get your, you know. You get your uh, tray like it's a cafeteria. You walk down the mm-hmm. line. You get your order your food from the guys behind, and they cut it for you fresh and give it to you. And they give you. I mean, when you order a corned beef sandwich, uh, Esmeralda, it's going to last two days. Nice. I mean, it's stacked like they stack. I it. those are my favorite. Those oh. are my favorite kind where they're just giant sandwiches. Here's what we got to do the, the for the immediate plans: uh, Manny's and Hagen's. How about that? Sure. Because yeah, they're yeah. not difficult to get to, and it's old school, and you get a lot of a lot of food for your buck when you go to those places. Yeah. So, all right, Hagen's and uh, Hagen's and Manny's. That's where we got to get you because you've never been to those places, and you gotta. No. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta. Oh yeah. I'll give you asthma. That's what they're gonna say. I'll give you asthma when you walk in. All right. <laughs> you want to hear? No. Wow. They'll they'll know exactly <laughs> as soon as you walk in. So, uh, all right, let me give you a couple of uh, topics here, and I'll, I'll throw a couple of facts at you from Are You Shitting Me? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Okay, which, yes. which, which, uh, which category would you rather hear from? I'll give you two categories. Uh, um, let's see. Stupid commercials or tortured devices? Oh, God. Uh, torture devices. Tortured devices. <laughs> all right. Uh, torture devices is page 81. Uh, all right. Okay, you ready? I'll just give mm-hmm. you a few of them. Used during the Dutch Revolt from 1568 to 1648, rat torture involved trapping rats under a bowl on a prisoner's stomach and then heating the bowl's exterior to force the rats to eat through the victim's flesh to escape. Oh, my God. I have seen that, though, in movies. <laughs> I feel like there was a movie recently where they were doing that and they were like freaking out because they're like, no. And then they stopped it. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, that sounds I feel like, like that has point. happened recently in a movie I saw. I forget was it, was what it, it was, one of the, but they were doing that. They were doing was it, that. Was it one of the jackass movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. All right. Um, how about this one? The Breast Ripper, also known as the Iron Spider. Uh, you would use a claw-like iron tongs, that's what they were, often blazing hot to rip a female victim's breast from her body. Good Lord. God. Ugh. 
When was this? This was, uh, it, just, it doesn't say. 30 uh, years ago. No. Yeah, it's like 1978. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Uh, and then here, we'll get one, one last one here. Crocodile tongs are jagged teeth like mm. jagged teeth like edges were used to clamp into onto a victim's penis and pull his flesh apart. Ooh Go boy. Good lord. I just thought it would be fair since we had one. What is it? One, crocodile? Crocodile, crocodile tongs. Tongs. Crocodile, crocodile tongs. tongs. Yes. Mm. And uh, I just thought it would it, it was only fair that I mentioned a penis getting ripped off since I mentioned breasts getting ripped off. So I thought it would be fair okay. of me to <laughs> yeah, equality. That's, that's all we ask for. <laughs> so ridiculous. All right. Well, those are some just some more facts. We'll go through more of those as we, uh, uh, you know, with every visit. This book, by the way, is really yes. ridiculous. Are you shitting me? By Carrie McNeil. Mm. Uh, this is a this is definitely a book that you can just leave in the bathroom. People can sit on the john and read it all day. <laughs> so. But don't do that because then your legs go numb. That's true. That's true. Okay, really quickly, ketchup candy, Esmeralda. Yes. As we continue with our, uh, we want to thank Deanna, obviously. Yes. As Thanks we continue so with our taste testing weird candies, what's been your favorite so far? Um, I liked the. Well, I like the pickle. Pickle cotton pickle, candy. Um, was good. Yes, the pickle cotton candy was good. Um, I didn't mind the carrot. Yeah, the carrot was or good. Or the Carrots corn. Were, carrot the and corn. corn, I think I was fine with. And, and the, the crickets. Booger, the, the crickets were bad. The crickets were bad. I didn't the like bo- the booger. The, the, the booger was, was good. Big. No, what was the last one that we tasted that we loved? Um, and we ate and we ate it like crazy. Oh, uh, those. Oh, well, those were just sour candies, though. Yeah. They were the boogers. Yeah, but they were they good were the boogers. Booger, yeah. yeah, they were Boog- like little booger, literal, like. But they were like boogers. Sour Patch Kids. They were good. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, this is Archie McPhee, the famous Archie McPhee that I keep calling Andy McPhee for some reason. Yeah. And this is ketchup-flavored hard candy, and it looks kind of like the kind of candy that you would see at your grandmother's house in the, in, the, in the bowl. Are you ready to taste the hard candy ketchup flavor? Yes. Okay, here we go. So it smells, it smells tart, like ketchup. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Pop it in. It tastes like ketchup. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, wait, did we try this one already? Did we? I don't know, because I'm just thinking of, didn't we talk about ketchup, like ketchup, ketchup? Oh, maybe we maybe did. Maybe it was something else. I don't remember this thing, You know what? I think we did do this one already. <laughs> I, I think we did do this one I can't remember anymore. <laughs> well, I think we did this one already, but it's the oh. same conclusion. It tastes like ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it tastes like it doesn't taste like Heinz right we did talk about this it tastes like yeah. that off brand ketchup packet yeah fancy we did ketchup. this already god damn it we did it already alright well yeah neither of us could remember that which is <laughs> yeah which pretty much explains how, how good the candy <clears throat> is <laughs> although well here's the thing I was looking at the bag I don't know how many because I, it looked like there was four in there, and I think that's how many. That's how. That's why I thought are too. in each of my little baggies. Me so too. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. <laughs> well, we'll figure it out. All right. Well, listen, Esmeralda, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, that old school. Uh, by the way, that article with the old school restaurants is at thrillist.com. and uh, we'll head over to Hagen's at some point and uh, 
and get you to Manny's mm-hmm. too. We so. should again. We should film it. Yes, we do. Let's do it. <laughs> content, content, content. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good. All right, Esmeralda, you rule the planet. And you know who's coming up? Oh, uh, thank you. We've got uh, Dan Feinberg is coming up uh, on our nice. next episode on Tuesday for TV Talk. Lots of TV talk. A new uh, TV show starring Jeff Bridges, Esmeralda. I'm so excited. He's seen it. Really? Oh, God, I can't wait. It's called The Old Man. And it's oh. the first thing, <laughs> well, first thing Jeff Bridges mm-hmm. has done in years, and it's the first thing he's done since his bout with cancer, uh, and he is mm-hmm. uh, he is now cancer free and COVID. He had COVID and cancer at the same time. Jeez. Yeah, he's Jeff Bridges, man. He's That's the man. Yeah, he's the, he's the dude. So anyway. good for him, though. He's, good for him yeah. to like persevere. Absolutely, I love him so much. He's my favorite. So we'll talk about that and more. So that's on the next one. And thank you all for uh, subscribing and listening. This is Esmeralda Leon. She rules the planet. Uh, you can check us out, podcast, uh, the Nick D Podcast. Rate and review us on every platform, radiomisfits.com. Thanks to Jason Skaggs. Nick D Podcast at gmail.com. Email us. Call us, 773-417-6948. And uh, we will talk to you the next time right here on uh, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network with the Nick D Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.